John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. He didn't go blind. He was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, not, Master, why don't you do something for him? His disciples asked, Master, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, nobody sinned. He didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, it gets weird. <laughs> if you weren't paying attention, you need to now. He spat on the ground. Somebody say gross. Now you can try to act like it's sanctified because it's Jesus. But most people don't even want Jesus to spit in your face. He spit on the ground. He made clay of the spittle. He anointed the eyes of the blind with the clay. Isn't it something that he was too blind to the action to be offended by what the Lord do, was doing. Said unto him, All right, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. Still blind, just a little more dirty. He went his way therefore and he washed and he came seeing I want to preach a little bit about his stumbling walk to the pool but I want to spend a lot more time tonight focusing on the walk back from the pool because it's one way one thing to feel your way there but it seems trapped up in my spirit what a rejoicing comeback that must have been to see the trees that you couldn't see on the way to the pool. To put faces with voices. To encounter browns, tans, greens, and blues for the first time. Identifying colors that he could not articulate because he had an experience with Jesus that cost him a little action himself. And that's what I want to preach on our first night back here in the main tabernacle. I want to preach about the great comeback. I think God wants to help us, but I want every person in this room to lift your voice and ask the Holy Ghost to be with us. Come on, the Holy Ghost is already here. Spirit of God is in this place. Hmm. Ah, uh, io robo cosa taia.
Oh, give us a breakthrough in this house tonight. If there's anyone been resistant, I pray that they would have a comeback here tonight. If there's anybody been sitting on their worship, I pray they'd have a comeback in worship tonight. If there's anybody been a little tired from getting back to Sunday night, I pray there'd be a comeback tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. Find two or three people before you're seated and tell them it's time for your comeback. <clears throat> His name was Lass Viren. He was a runner from Finland and not just any runner. He was an Olympic runner. And in August of 1972, he was running the 10,000 meters in the finale, making his attempt at a gold medal. However, it was the unthinkable when Mr. Viren fell to the ground on the track that day and became quickly behind. At the start of those games, this 23-year-old Finnish policeman from the small village was not very known, but he was quickly known when he became the man who fell on the track. History records the fall was due to a stumble at the encounter of another runner. Their feet came together and the stumble led to a fall and it seemed as though his race should have been over. However, the young 23-year-old Finnish runner calmly and recordedly got to his feet and chased his way back into contention, overtaking Britain's David Bedford, the longtime leader, to not only win the gold medal, but to set a world record of 27 minutes and 38.4 seconds. We that are members of the church would quickly, illustratively go to the strength of Scripture, and we could most in this room quote, don't worry about me when I fall. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Why? When I fall. Not if I fall. How many have been living for God long enough to know it's not if I fall? But don't rejoice because I trip. And do not rejoice because I got offended and stumbled. Do not rejoice over me because I went through a season of loss and found it hard to get to church. Don't rejoice over me because I have stumbled and failed. But you better know something. I'm going to get back. How many could testify tonight? You're not here because you never fell. You're here because you got back up. I thought there'd be more in the house that would clap for that or maybe even stand and testify. I want to let God know, Brother Ridge, what you preached is right. I want my, my testimony to be known. I'm not here because I'm perfect. I fell along the way, but I dusted myself off. And if I have to, I will dance my way back into the presence of God. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. 
Boy, I feel like preaching that on the first night back in the main tabernacle because some of you hell has tried to put through the ringer this summer, but here you are. Woo! Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Brother Henderson, we're not here because the summer's been easy. We're not in this building because everything went smooth. People walk in today, oh, it's so pretty. Not one person, not one person has come up to me and said, I bet this was easy. You think it was easy? Talk to Mary Brown, who's dreamed about painting. You think this is easy? Talk to Brother Faulkner, who had to decide whether he wanted to answer calls. Think this has been easy? Ask Brother Lopez. But when you're trying to build something, when you're trying to refresh something, when you're trying to dust something off, there are obstacles along the way. But why do you keep pressing? Because the outcome is gonna be greater than the obstacle. If you'll... I'm gonna tell you right now, when we were baptizing those people this morning, I wasn't worried about every little hang up and every time we had a carpet issue and every time we had, a, no, 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 I wasn't worried about any kind of delivery delay. I was just saying it's been worth it. It's been worth it. It's been worth it. It's been worth it. <clears throat> and I know, listen, I know, I know that I'm preaching to some people that this summer's been a trial for your family. The greatest thing you could do is serve hell notice on the first Sunday night back in the main campus if you thought you were gonna keep us down. Where are my real people right now? If you thought that that loss was gonna keep me from worship. <coughs> Sister McFarland, in the last couple of weeks, I've tried to give you strength and I found myself drawing more strength from you. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world. But when I walked in the prayer room tonight, knowing we just buried your sweet husband this week and I saw you in that prayer room seeking God, I found myself knowing what I was gonna preach tonight. I knew what you're clinging to. You're clinging to eternity and you're clinging to hope. I found myself thinking it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. How many to believe it will. It will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. <clears throat> Turn to your neighbor, tell them it's gonna be worth it. Every now and then you need somebody in your life who will tell you, get up. Get up. Be, be, be careful about the people that are comfortable with you laying when you're meant to get up. The people who want to just go ahead and revel in your discomfort. You need people around you that will help quote the word to you. Get up. Man, I'm supposed to move on already, but I can't get past this, what I feel. I'm trying to tell somebody, get up. Well, I don't know. I, you don't understand. I dealt with some tough things this summer. Yeah, but you got a good God that's walked you back into this place on a Sunday night. Greater is he that's in me. Where are the believers that would say, I've got something inside of me that's greater than this world can provide. 
I still don't know where all the bills are gonna get paid, but I got a God. I still don't know if I'm gonna get every answer, but I know the answer giver. I know the great I am. I know the great provider. And the enemy's on the sideline of your life saying you shouldn't show up on certain... The enemy tried to convince some people, why don't you teach pastor a lesson and not go back on Sunday night? The only exclamation point you're giving is to the enemy. There's probably people watching online that talk themselves out of coming tonight and then couldn't help but turn the internet on. To which I would tell you right here and right now, the reason that we're in this place is because we are get up people. We are comeback believers. We are pull ourselves. Jesus has just walked out of an extraordinary occurrence. They have tried to kill him prematurely. They have tried to take him out in the previous chapter before it was his time. Let me remind us here tonight, you're never going to get God out of his timing. And they had decided that they couldn't stand him. They're going to end him early. And he walks through it seamlessly, calmly. And we walk into a scenario, if we follow it chronologically, where Christ walks in and is walking past A blind man. He is blind from his birth. We don't have the context of the conversation for us to understand how they knew he was blind from his birth. But it seems as though the disciples have already brought this conclusion. And the disciples want to know, like every normal person, Brother Barkus, they wanted to know. So who sinned? (laughs) Give us the scoop. Because surely if he's blind, which was a common thought, that if he was sick in such a way or blind in this way, it must have been someone's fault. Surely there was sin. And Jesus turns to them and said, it wasn't him or his parents. How many know some people will draw a conclusion when it's not true? It wasn't true. And Jesus set them straight. It wasn't him. It wasn't his parents, but this has been a setup so that I could do some works in his life. But then we are about to watch something we just don't have history for. Now, everybody here, how many know that it is our custom to anoint with oil? How many know that? How many are thankful we don't do the spittle thing? Close your eyes. I promise you, I ain't going to be a member at that church. You know, Brother Titus, you head up our men's ministry. You know, there was a, a day when somebody was making a deal. They'd say, Whoop. I'd say, we're good. I trust you. I like the sign on the dotted line thing. But Jesus bends down and he, he spits into the dust. and the, the, the dust. And what he's really doing is he is 
He is working again with the ground. You've got to understand, I know that you do, that he very much was God manifest in the flesh. And the first man, Adam, was, was created from the dust itself. And, and, and the very earth that he was standing upon in his humanity, it was the creation from which he had formed. And he got down and he put spittle. He, he spat in that dirt and he began to make and form clay. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm watching this. We don't get recording of it, but you see guys like Peter wanting to try this on somebody. I'm thankful in our young ministers, aspiring ministers course, we don't have a spit in the mud session. No, hawk a little bit better, Lugie. Just, now some of y'all are getting grossed out, but I'm doing that on purpose. I want you to think about it. He is about to put his spittle and the dirt now, Brother John, dirt would be bad. Spittle would be bad. How many know two wrongs don't? <laughs> don't make a right unless you're the one that can take nothing and turn it into something. And sometimes in order to see something you've never seen before, you've got to get into a circumstance you've never been in before. How are you going to handle this, Jesus? The disciples sitting around watching him. Maybe we shouldn't have asked the sin thing. And I'm telling you, that poor guy, he never saw it coming. But you listen to me right now. Sometimes it's good that we can't see what the Lord's up to because we allow our own flesh to get in the way of the miracle he's setting us. How many know his ways are above our ways? I don't need you to explain it to me. I just need you to do whatever you need to do. I don't need an explanation. I don't need you to get my permission. I I just need you to do it. If you gotta spit in my face, if you gotta put mud on me, I'm not gonna be offended. As if Jesus was gonna ask his permission. Now, Brother Michael, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I, imagine hearing that if you're the blind man. Jesus, what you, his senses are still tuned in. You don't think he heard somebody spit? His, his ears tuned in to that. And then all of a sudden, mm. okay. But I don't read anywhere where Jesus said, would it be all right? Would you mind if I and if we're not careful in our Western culture, we need God to get our permission before he does anything. We want him to heal him on our timing, in our way, in our altar. 
But there is a desperation rising up right now where Jesus is giving. I believe this, boy, I believe this, where Jesus has the opportunity to work while there is some day and while there is some opportunity. And I think somebody ought to say, God, whether it's embarrassing or not, do a miracle in my life. Whether people... What if people talk about me? Who cares if you get your miracle? Who cares how it happens? Who cares how it occurs? If Jesus touched the miracle, it doesn't matter. What if you gotta get a little dirty to get a little better? What if you gotta get a little dirty to get a little better vision? Whatever it takes, let there be a revelation in my life. The disciples are watching. What's he doing? What do you think the disciples' faces were when he went like this? If they were anything like me, they did this. But Lopez, camera's got to follow me, I'm sorry. Because this is how I see it. Come here, come here, come here. John ran. What? Okay. Let's turn, turn. You're already shorter than me. Come up here. Okay, watch. Here's what I... Sorry, it's easy. Low-hanging fruit. If it, was, if it was us, and you were that guy, and he spit on the ground, and made clay, and started touching your face... I'd have done this right here. How many know it's your friend? You'd have pulled your phone out. Instagram Live. Be playing this. You'd be getting all kinds of likes, a few dislikes, lots of loves, lots of reposts. And we'd have been sitting there. But in that moment, who cared if they thought it was funny? That's right. Who cared that it was something they had never seen before? Because what they had never seen before was about to open them up to something they'd never seen before. <laughs> what they had never experienced was about to be the precipice to something they had never experienced. They had never seen a blind eyes open before, especially not someone who had been blind from their birth. They'd never seen anything like this. They didn't, expect, they didn't expect it. And they knew maybe Jesus could touch him, but the spit in the mud and then on the face, that was all weird. And then he tells him, okay, go. Say what? As if it was an insult to injury. We, we're, we're all sitting here like, no, he gets healed. No, 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 no. Not immediately. You know the back of the book. Imagine being one of the disciples in the moment when he spits in the dirt, makes a little clay, puts it on his face and says, have a good day. Who spits in a blind man's face with mud and then tells him, go find the pool. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to open our thinking right now. Sometimes when he gives you an answer, you're not going to like it. 
Where are the people in here that he's ever sent you out of a prayer meeting with a homework assignment? Brother Coogan, I've had plenty of times when I said, God, do it. And he said, okay, go do it. You didn't hear me. My Hebrew must not have been. <laughs> Sister Master, I need a little more throat in it or something. I... Puts mud in his face and says, go to the pool of Siloam. As the blind man got dirt on his face, he must have fell on the ground. Where are you headed? Pull of Siloam. Pull of Siloam. Pull of Siloam. But he had been journeying this way a long time. He, he had become used to navigating blind. He, he knew what it was to take the right number of steps in the right direction and listen to the people and whether led or whether walking. And he was finding his way into the pool, finding his way into the pool of Siloam by interpretation is sent. And I will tell you that sometimes when he sends you, he sends you blind. He sent Abraham blind searching for a country whose builder and maker was God. He sent Abraham with nothing but a lad looking for a sacrifice, knowing that they would go yonder in worship. It's as old as the Old Testament patriarchs. And Jesus sent him to that pool of Siloam by interpretation being sent. And he's on his way walking blind. But when he gets to that pool and that old Dirty-eyed blind man goes and begins to wash in that pool. That place that had a shallow end for other people. He gets in and he begins to wash his face. And all of a sudden, he begins to... For some of us and most of us in this room, we don't know what it feels like not to have the ability to see. We know some here do, but for most of us, we can't. But I, I want everybody in the room, I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to close them real tight. And I want you to imagine that you are that man, that blind man at the pool of Siloam. And you've got clay that's been baking in the sun on your walk. And you've been walking on your way to Siloam. And people have been looking at you funny and wondering why you got clay on on your eyes and people have been wondering why you're talking to them and you're just trying to get to the pool but all of a sudden when you feel that water touch your face and you begin to rinse your eyes and, and you start to open up your your All of a sudden, his eyes begin to show vision and he begins to see the vibrancy of colors. <laughs> I'm thankful that he walked when he couldn't see. But I want to know about the way back. Because as soon as he got his healing, he headed back from where he came. He had to get back to, I want to get back to where I was. I want to retrace some steps. I want to get back to where I know the Lord has brought me from. <laughs> and he's on his way back. He's seeing the new colors. He's seeing the vibrancy of the dust. He had felt the sand between his toes, but he had never seen the grain as it moved and the, and the sand as it shaped. He had felt it underneath his toes and even underneath his fingers. And I see him stretched down and throw some in the way. He had heard the leaves in the breeze but had never watched them as they moved and flowed in the wind and his eyes would turn from space to space and looking at every single sight. 
I'll tell you what he was. He was in awe when he began to see. God forbid any of us be seeing so long in our spiritual eyesight that we forget it was he who opened up our eyes and allowed us to see. If it was not for the goodness of God, Come on, we would still be blind. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. I wouldn't know how to walk and I wouldn't know where to go. But when he changed my life, he opened my eyes. Travel back into the text with me, if you will. John chapter nine. The Bible says in verse The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, Is is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, Ah, yeah, that's him. Some people said, Well, that's like him. But he said, I am him. And for the first time, he looked him in the eye. (laughs) Quit trying to diminish my miracle by saying I'm not who I am. Quit trying to downplay my miracle by saying, no, you're mistaking him with somebody else. No, I'm the guy. It was me. Can you imagine one of them people when he made eye contact with him? It's me. You ever held eye contact so long it gets awkward? right now it's me I'm the guy there's a weird little moment there they're trying to figure it out here we go therefore said they unto him um how were your eyes open don't you think that would be a question what happened Were you faking all this time? Come on, you know how we are. He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay. Oh, you knew about that? I knew. And what did he say? Who cares what anybody else labels it? He said, he anointed me. (laughs) He anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And he said, I think I will. I went. I washed. I received sight. Verse 12. Then they said, well, where is he? And he said, I didn't really get a good look at him at first. (laughs) But I know his voice. Oh, now you know me well enough to know I won't preach that right now. I didn't get a good look, but I know his voice. It was a dark season, but I know his voice. And I know his touch. It was hard for me to get a vision, but I knew what he said. And I know what his hands tell. Where is he? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees. 
this guy that was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay. Uh-oh, everybody say, uh-oh. Uh-oh, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Go to verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked and said how he had received his sight. He said, well, you know, he, he put clay on my eyes. I washed. I love this, how the King James says it. And do see. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> Bling. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, watch this. This man's not of God. The blind guy is talking to them, telling them, put clay on me, send me to the pool, I see you. And they said, he can't be of God because it was the Sabbath day. And somebody said, that's ridiculous. Somebody said, how can a man that's such a sinner do these miracles? And there was division. There was division. There was division. Hear me right now. Not everyone will rejoice when you get your miracle. And whether they want to rejoice with you or not, it doesn't make Jesus any less of who he is. And it doesn't make your miracle. And don't you let somebody that doesn't want to amen with you bring your miracle into something less than what it was. Well, this man's a sinner. How would he do this? On a, and people start getting divided and you're sitting there the whole time saying, well, I see you. And I couldn't have said this one pool trip ago, but you look silly. You know, when God opens your eyes, you'll find out how silly some people really look. Huh. There was division among them. They said to the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that has opened up your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that had been blind and received his sight. And so they did what? They did what any good leader does. Let me call your parents. <laughs> and all the youth groups said, no, no, no. Don't call my parents. They didn't want him to be a prophet because a prophet could actually bend the rules on a Sabbath. And they didn't want to acknowledge that he was a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him. And so they, they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And verse 19 tells it like this. They asked them, is this your son? You say he was born blind, then you answer this. How does he see? Now you got to recognize that for these parents and for even this boy, the most dangerous thing to them was exile from the synagogue. To be excommunicated from the community. To be pulled away. And these religious leaders had the ability. And so these parents, they answered and said, Um, yeah, it looks like him. Come on. Is that, John, is that our, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's him. That's our boy. 
He, he, he was. He was born blind. But by what means he now seeth? We, 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 we don't know. We, we, who opened his eye? We, you, I, we don't know. And then they did this great moment. They go, he's of age. Ask him. If I'm him, the first time I could ever look at my parents, I'd have been like, This scripture makes it sound like this is the first time he's ever seen his parents. Brother Mac, he's never looked into the face of the mama who held him. And her first words were, he's old enough. Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. Way to have my back. But they didn't want to be excommunicated. They didn't want to be sent out. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. The Jews had agreed already that if anybody did confess that he was Christ, that he was a Savior, they would be out of the synagogue. I got news for you. You can't have good church without Jesus anyway. Whew. I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. There's a lot of places out there having big crowds that are not having church. Now, I know I'm turning a little switch and I sound a little radical. Label me what you want. I just pretend I got mud in my eyes. If you don't have Jesus and you're not preaching the name of Jesus and you're not, you are not a church, you're just another social gathering. If you're preaching, live however you want and do whatever you want. Churches without Christ are not churches at all. Churches having social drinking hour. The devil is a liar. Talking about all kinds of foolishness and acting like marriages don't matter. The devil is a liar. Yeah, everybody's welcome in your church, but if you think everybody's welcome to stay the way that they show up, then you don't even believe he is a savior. Come as you are, stay as you are. Not the Lord that I serve. He said, come as you are, but it's every intention of mine. The Lord wanted to say, go your way and sin no more. I don't want to, listen, I don't want to offend anybody, but if I do, please listen very carefully. I don't want a church where we expect people to show up bound and leave bound. I'll just come here with mud. You got mud in your eyes. It's okay. That's all right. Don't worry about it. You just keep that mud in your eyes. We celebrate mud in your eyes. Oh, you want to live any old way? That's fine. We love everybody. We do love everybody. We love you enough to tell you that he can heal. He can save. He can deliver. Yeah, but... Yeah, but I've never heard this, Brother Oliver. I've never heard this talking in tongues thing. I've never heard this dressing holy thing. I've never, well, he had never heard this clay in the eyes go to the pool of Siloam thing. But when he knew he had an encounter with Jesus, he said, get me there. Whatever it takes, get me there. Whatever it takes, get me there. And when he was washed, I got news for you. Everybody might not understand it, but once you experience it, it's real. It's real. It's real. There's nothing like the power. There's nothing like the power of God. 
Why are you here on Sunday night? Because this is the great comeback. This is me letting hell know we're going to have miracles in this house. We're going to have deliverance in this house. We're going to have powerful altar calls. We're going to have anointed singing. We're going to have aisle running. We're going to have dancing. We're going to talk in tongues all over the building. And whether people have seen it or not, I don't know. But this is what I do know. They'll, able to, they'll be able to say, I couldn't see then. I couldn't see past the drugs, but I can see past them now. I couldn't see past the bottle, but I can see. I couldn't see past the depression, but I can see past it now. I, I, Come on, where are my witnesses at in the building? I couldn't see past the overwhelming, but I can see. I can see now. I can see clearly now. I knew. Thank you. Is he a, is he your boy? He's our boy. Was he blind? Mm-hmm. What happened? Junior? He was of age. He was like a fresh college kid out of the house for the first time. That said, since it's my time to speak for myself, let me tell you what I know. Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But I do know this. I was blind. I might not tell you what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you what I know. I was blind, but I can see you. I can look you in the face and tell you I'm not who I was. I can look you, I'm going to tell you face to face. I'm not who I was before I met him. I'm not who I was before he... I wish you'd lift your hands towards heaven and lift your voice and praise him. Come on, if you're glad you're not who you were. I'm not who I was before I met him. Hey, can you play that little video clip? You can be seated for a second. Or don't, whatever. That, that hungry musical highway, some of you have seen this. In Hungary, they put this road. There's five of them in the world right now. But Hungary's put this. What you don't see in this, they have on the road as you're driving, they have all these music notes. Where's Dr. Anderson? Dr. Anderson, they got all these music notes. I don't know what they, I don't know what they are. I didn't take your theory course. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. <laughs> he said it's not too late. <laughs> Shh. Got all these notes on the road, Brother Anderson, and they're driving and they have all these notes. And then they have engineered 
all of these bumps on the road under those right tires so that when, whenever they drive over them in a standard rubber tire, the notes that they saw played out will drive over on the exact pitch and note to play a melody so that while they're on their journey, they can have melody on their way. I gotta tell you something. When I saw that, and I knew preaching about this old boy who had just pushed, just washed in the pool of Siloam, I thought, boy, I bet there was music on that road. I bet, forgive me, okay? Just a red-blooded American male. How nice do you think it was for him to see a girl on the way back for the first time? <laughs> Come on, think about Adam. First time he said, hey, 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 how you doing? <laughs> you tell me, old boy, wasn't heading back and say, I was always one. He had heard people going, and didn't know, didn't know. He went, <laughs> you have to cut that from the tape. He, he, I know you're going to talk to me later about that. I, he's on that journey. I'm going to tell you right now, the highway's a little sweeter when Jesus has touched you. Brother Henderson, it's still just a dirt road. But when you realize you can see the dirt, <laughs> now, any other, any other guy you see going like this? What? What? Is that the blind guy? It looks like him. Somebody like, and he's just going. <laughs> Go. He's on his way back to an argument. I'm going to tell you right now, we better not let it get old what he's done for us. If it's been a while since you remembered that it was him, you ought to let something fresh and new come over you on this first Sunday night. Wait a minute. I've been complaining about stuff. I got breath in my lungs. I got right thinking in my mind. Come on, you got a suit on your back. You got shoes. There's some music on this highway and it sounds a little bit something like he has set me free. He's the one that delivered me. And I know I'm about to go back because listen right now, stand with me. Stand with me, I'm gonna stop preaching. I don't want to. I'm having fun if you can't tell. But you can have a first-class miracle and people be ready to argue with you. Mm-hmm. Have a good church service. We had a convert one time. She said when she would go back into her house, her husband would be sitting in the rocking chair in the living room in the lazy boy, sitting there. 
he told me later, he said, man, I'd have the ACDC going. Have a beer in my hand, waiting on her to get home. He said, she'd walk in, I'd have a smirk on my face. When she'd walk through the doors, he'd say, here comes the Bible thumper. Little Miss Holy. But she's the same one that God had given a vision of him praying through to the Holy Ghost wearing a yellow dress shirt. Some of you heard me tell this story. So she went to the closet to find that yellow dress shirt and he didn't own one. She said, as soon as I did, the devil told me, it was just you. God didn't give you that vision. First of all, let me help everybody in this house right now. Your flesh will never try to convince you something spiritual. Oh, that was just my flesh. If it was spiritual and not tied to ego, it wasn't your flesh. Brother Marshall, flesh ain't gonna try to get you to be spiritual. So she went to the closet, tried to find that yellow shirt, and it wasn't there. And so the devil said, I told you that wasn't, that wasn't God, that was just you. So she looked at his dress shirt and went to the store and bought him a yellow dress. I'll never forget the first service that I walked into that building and walked down the south aisle of the church. There was a yellow shirt folded, still in the packaging, in the seat next to her. I was hoping it was pastoral appreciation. When I asked her about that dress shirt, that's when she told me the story and the vision and what God had told her and how she went to the store after she couldn't find it. To make a long story short, I wish you could have been there when that guy, she woke up and walked into her bedroom and her husband, out of nowhere, the same guy that would be listening to ACDC and slamming a beer when she walked in and calling her a Bible thumper. She said, I walked in the bedroom and he said, I think I'm going to church with you today. And she went, okay. How many know the art of not overreacting? Oh, okay, if you want to. I was there the day that he walked down to the front in a yellow dress shirt and lifted his hands in an... God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was the guy that took him to the baptismal and said in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission... It doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it's dark and sometimes it's confusing. But you listen to me right now. He's planned to come back for you. You've been overwhelmed. It's your time. You've been burdened. It's your time. Some of you, I love where we're at right now because some of you have just started to find your stride again. I could call some of you out right now. I've seen it in the spirit, even though you've never confessed it with your lips and you went through a season of turbulence and yet you, find, you, you just started to find your spiritual stride again. Here's what I want tonight. I want intentional people. Please, I want intentional people that are gonna serve hell notice. I'm in my comeback season. I'm in my, I'm not walking this road blind. I was walking this road blind not long ago, but I'm not walking this road spiritually blind anymore. I see through your devices. I felt the touch of God. I've been through the awkwardness and I'm seeing things in a way I've never seen them before. And I know I might have some opposition ahead of me, but I'm going to tell them this. This is what I know. I was blind. And I'm going to testify of the goodness of God. If you're claiming that, that this is your comeback season, this is your seat. I'm telling you, you're serving hell and heaven notice. I'm in my comeback 
season. I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to get as close to this altar. Don't kneel. Don't fall. Just come and stand with me and wait for instructions, please.